Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Super glad you are with us today as we talk about financial matters. Myself and my co-host sitting here next to me, we're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. That just means we're practicing advisors. We've been uh, doing so for three decades and um, been broadcasting this radio program and, and then podcast for um, 25 plus years. And always good to be here with you and taking your calls, answering your questions, and give you some perspective uh, on what's happening in the world of finance and hopefully point you to things that are important you should pay attention to and those things that are things you should ignore ignore maybe look at for interest but uh, don't make any investment decisions based upon that information correct so if you have text uh, questions about taxes or 401ks iras life insurance if someone's pitching you a big fat annuity or a non-traded limited partnership or some greatest latest newest fanciest investment that you cannot miss out on uh, give us a call and uh, we'll give you a second and third opinion, my opinion and Scott's opinion. Yeah. And, and our number to join the program, 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. And, and uh, you, you mentioned these tax, these limited partnerships. I just got me thinking, we were both lucky enough. We got in the industry, frankly, let's be transparent here. We got in the industry in about 1990. Right, It was after the Tax Reform Act of 86. And in the 80s... Most independent financial advisors were pitching these limited partnerships because you can invest, say you invest $10,000, then you get these write-offs of 8000 bucks a year for your income taxes, and the money didn't, it was, didn't matter if the, if the underlying investment made sense or not because you, the tax benefits were so great, investors were piling into them. Until Tax Reform Act of 86. <laughs> which was TEFRA of 86. <laughs> and, and it uh, pulled the rug out from under that. And there were a lot of people stuck with these partnerships and, and passed uh, tax bills. Yeah, it had to recapture them. And that's because... Why the, am I bringing this up? I'm well, bringing this up because... I don't know why I bring it up. Well, I that's, found it that's, actually when they, that's actually when they actually became popular and they kind of floated away. But now... If you're a developer and you want cheap access to capital, that's how you do it. You do it with these limited partnerships with lack of disclosures, liquidity. Um, You could sell a building into your own limited partnership at an unbelievably inflated price. So let's say I had 50 buildings right now. This is how these limited partnerships work. I own 50 buildings. And how these developers raise money. That's how they raise money. Exactly. Look, I've I've been investor in some of these things over the years. I've been pitched to these things. Yeah, cor- correct. And so what happens is they go out there and they're like, hey, I need to raise some capital and I have these buildings that I want to sell. I could create my own limited partnership, sell shares in it to, to other limited partners. I would be the general partner and everyone else would be a limited partner. And I have all the control and I could have a building that I paid $2 million for and I can sell it into my partnership for 2.5 or $3 million. Oh, and by the way, I can charge management fees along the ways, and these people lack liquidity. That's why I don't know how we got off on this limited partnership. I don't know. That's a, well, but, you know why? Because here's what ends up happening: for whatever reason, when people start accumulating some assets and their savings goes up, they think that oh, I've got these dollars. Maybe I shouldn't be investing in some other things. Maybe these index funds. Maybe I can do much better than that. And oh, there's and then suddenly they get introduced because they've got some money. They get introduced to some developer who's looking for capital. By the way, the developers will typically, the best deals, they just use their own money. The ones that are a little a little more risk involved, and that's typically when they bring in outside dollars. That's we my, know my that. experience. I, I know a number of developers, right? Yes. I'm not begrudging. This is how it works. But just because you have more assets does not mean you need to start chasing these other types of investments. There's no, what, you're not necessarily going to get any higher return. And you most certainly aren't going to be able to measure the risk in an adequate manner. So we're going to take some calls, but later on the show, I want to talk about a couple things uh, during our show. One, which is that that 
the end of tax havens on a global basis, which is um, yep. interesting, the Organization uh, for Economic Cooperation we'll and Development is going to go. And the other is, is I want to talk a little bit about shadow inflation. What is shadow inflation? And are you actually seeing it on a daily basis? And my, my guess is you probably are and haven't put a word on it. So um, we're going to talk about that, but we're going to take your calls. Let's start off in Providence. Did we give our number out? Yeah, we did. Thanks. Twice. Oh, thank you. Rob, I should listen to our show. I can't listen. I haven't listened to our show in 20 something <laughs> No? Years. No. I, I don't listen to the other financial shows either. Most of them are bad. I hate to say it. There's some. I, I listen to- um, Planet Money? Planet Money. How I Built That? <clears throat> yeah, that's not a finance show. Okay. I love How I Built This. There's some really interesting yeah. stories. There. Fan, I mean- Great. Yeah, great. Some of them are- not so great. Anyway, why are we talking about other people's shows? This is the best show. We're in Providence, Rhode Island, talking with Trevor. Trevor, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, Planet Money and uh, How I Built This are two great podcasts. They, they are. are. <laughs> yeah. They are. They're excellent. <laughs> um, thanks, Scott and Pat. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I, I have a bunch of questions. I feel like I could run by you, but I'll start with um, my wife and I had a baby a couple weeks ago, our first wow. child. Congrats. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And, you know, I'm just looking for types of things that I can start doing now to really set him up for a successful future. You know, I've considered 529 plans. Um, I believe I could start like a brokerage account for him. So really just looking for different types of things that I could do starting. And what is it you, I, I mean, obviously you, you love this child. It's amazing. You have your first kid. You don't know how you could love somebody so much, right? It's just, a, it's a really a miracle. But and you have a certain hopes and dreams for his life, and as he gets older, he's going to have his own hopes and dreams for his life. But what is it that you hope to accomplish? Like, do you want to send him to private school growing up? Do you want to have money set aside for college? Do you want to make sure you can help him get him in his first house? Do you want to buy him a new car at sixteen? Like, what is it you're thinking about? Yeah, I think that it would be getting him his first house, um, whether that's even just leaving him one of our properties or. It's really something that I don't want him to know that he has growing up. Um, but I don't, I don't think private school is the way we want to go um, necessarily. I, that's why I haven't really considered a 529. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if anyone thinks what college will look like in 18 years or so. Yeah. Well, um, how, so just trying to get ahead in some way. How old are you, Trevor? I'm 30. So I mean, you've got three broad options. One is to use something like a 529 that's got tax benefits, money needs to be used for higher education. Two, you can set up what's called a uniform transfer to minors account or UGMA, and you can invest in a variety of different things. But it's a tax shell on that that um, provides some tax benefits as long as it's in the kid's name. Essentially, you can escape. It's only the first 800 bucks a year of interest is something that's tax-free. So a little bit of tax savings. The downside to that is it becomes the child's at age of majority, some states age 21, some age 24. But regardless of what's going on in the kid's life and how wise decisions they're making or not, the money's there. So that's a, a downside to that. I've never used any of those for my own, my own children. And frankly, I'm glad, although they, I don't think they'd be anything, anything stupid. But uh, And then the third thing is that you just keep those dollars in your name earmarking them for your child. But before you do that, make sure you're adequately insured for life and disability for both you and your spouse. Okay. Right. So what is your approximate annual income? Just you. Um, with my wife combined or just me? Just you. So this year I should make about 300000 Okay. And how much does your uh, spouse make? Um, probably about 80,000. Okay. So you need, you probably need 2 million, 3 million, $3 million worth of term life insurance. How much, what is your total asset base right now? You are 30, so we wouldn't expect it to be super high. Um, so I bought a house, a two family house in Providence three years ago that we currently live in. Um, I bought the house for 450,000 and I think now it's probably worth about 650,000. Okay. Yep. Um, I have about 230,000 in my 401k. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a lot for age 30. Good for you. Thank you. I have a Roth IRA with about 65,000. 
and then I have a brokerage account with about two hundred thousand. There you go. Yeah, you need at least uh, two million. It wouldn't hurt you to buy two point five million dollars worth of term life insurance. Buy of ten or fifteen. So I, level term. I bought a term two million dollar term life insurance policy. I think when I was forty. I'm fifty five today. I think when I was forty. I pay like twelve hundred dollars a year for two million dollars of coverage. It was it was level for twenty years. It's another five years now to decide. And sometimes I wonder if I even why I have it, but I have it because it's. <laughs> but so you know, yeah, I've been talking to my couple of my friends about the term life insurance too. A couple of them told me, you know, they pay around seven hundred, eight hundred annually for I think like a million dollars in term life yeah, insurance. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. And I would get more than that given your income yeah, level. Yeah, you, it, I would, And I've never seen. Look, I've I've sat next. I've sat with widows before. I can't think of the other way around, but it's been where um, the breadwinner has passed away and we're trying to do financial planning and there's, ne- there's never enough money that I've seen. Correct. <laughs> so, so you need... I've never sat in a situation where like, and, oh, it's And the be difference between $2 million and $3 million of life insurance is negligible. So you need to buy that. I'd move an umbrella uh, policy on your home probably to $2 million. Okay. Um, so those are the backstops. And then, it, it, depending upon what you do for a living, you should consider disability insurance, but it's relatively expensive. But I would I would explore that as well. So okay. for years, the first 10 years of my career, I had a large disability policy on myself as well as life insurance as I'm accumulating assets. Once I have enough assets to replace that, if I were to die, then you could drop that. But that is the first thing you should do. And then the second thing you should do is – you know, depending upon, I used the 529 for all four of my kids. Um, I started when I was your age, um, putting money into them. Um, I'm trying to think about all the things I did when I was 30 and had four kids. Did you have uh, four kids by the time you were age 30? No, no. Okay. But I started it when I was like 20. <laughs> I had my first at age 30. When, how old was Yeah, I? I'm even thinking about my parents and how, you know, every every time we got money for the birthdays or something, they threw it in a bank account. And that's really just kind of something I want to avoid, and I like to put it somewhere more efficient. Well, well your parents um, should be funding the 529 plan. The parents should be funding the 529. Well, if not, uh, just, get a, just buy yeah. a Vanguard no, total no, market but, index fund and but earmark the, it for your kid. I know, but the 529 plan gives you the tax deferral on it, keeps it out. Well, he's going to have enough money when the kids go to college. He's not going to get any federal aid or state no. aid for those kids. Yeah. No. If, if, if and and Trevor's point, he's not quite sure what uh, education is going to look then like, put which it I agree the, with you. Because the current model is yeah. not sustainable. Yeah, so put it in an S and P five hundred and near market to the kids. Okay, and I don't, I don't know if we have time for one other thing that I've really sure. been thinking about too. Um, so I've been considering possibly buying another like two family house in Providence, or my wife and I have talked about moving into a single family house. Um, but it's also um, the side of it; it's more from a tax perspective. Is just I've been looking for ways to try and save on taxes, and I last year for the first time I did the the backdoor Roth IRA. Yep. Okay. Um, By the way, so we need to convert. give it a name that doesn't sound so. Congress is trying to shut it down. It was a, there was. A, I've heard in, someone say mega before, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds duplicitous. Backdoor. <laughs> <laughs> and backdoor sounds duplicitous. <laughs> Yeah. We should call it the smart um, Roth. You you put money mm-hmm. on an after-tax basis in your 401k and then subsequently convert it to the Roth. Or you put it into an yeah, after-tax and, IRA. And similar, in I'll do the same. This year I had maxed out my 401k you know, early again this year, so I'm thinking in November I'll yeah. probably try and take advantage of yeah. the back door. Congress again, is trying – if, if, if it was in the, one of the bills that was floated by this current administration. Yeah, I did see that. Um, so I, I guess just the other side of it, yeah, is just looking to see, you know, buying another property – how does that help you with taxes? Um, I don't know. I just didn't know if there'd be something I'd be able to write off more if I ended up just even if you have it. Even if you have a deduction on things, you're not going to be able to take a, uh, any sort of loss because your income's above 150 grand or whatever it is. So it's not. You're but not, but it may make sense for you to do it because you believe that it's going to uh, benefit you economically over time. Yeah. What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm in sales. Okay, so you're not a general contractor. No, no, no! I'm employed by a, a medical device company. And okay, so and your your career path looks it, it looks fine. So you're in Providence, Rhode Island, and you mentioned the two family house. It, it's a duplex. It, the only thing I know about Providence, Rhode Island, is what I have seen on this old house, where they're always remodeling. I don't think I've ever been houses. to Providence. I have not been to Providence. If I have, it was a long time ago. But what a what a great name, Providence. <laughs> How could yes, you not go huh? to Providence? I mean, come on, Providence, <laughs> Providence. 
Although the town of Paradise in California burned to the ground, so I don't know. But um, but uh, if you, um, it, there wouldn't be a lot of tax benefit if you wanted to do it for to, to benefit yourself economically over time. That would be the driver. Okay. Yeah. And I then you got to weigh the cost taking... versus benefit, right? So, like, you got a kid nice, now. The nice thing about a four hundred one k, and the nice thing about passive investing, it just doesn't take much of your labor, much time. Doesn't. Yeah. There's nothing that drips on it. Even if you have a property management company, you get you get involved in things, and the bill doesn't get paid, and the property tax bills come. I mean, it's all those. It's just more things to manage. Even if you have a property management company. Yeah, it might be the right thing. But. It's just something I've considered doing just to even, you know, teach my kids along the way about it. And so they can grow up kind of maybe helping maintain those properties as well. But I've considered, <laughs> okay, good luck. You've got, you are you've got, <laughs> you're pretty starry eyed. <laughs> you're going to train the perfect, the perfect kid. Well, I can't wait to meet him. About it? Let's, let's start by getting him to make their own bed in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> He's a new dad. He's filled with hope. I know. Don't don't. You got to call Scott Hanson Black Cloud Parent Consulting. <laughs> two nights ago, I walk out of my my. I've got uh, two younger girls, fourteen and eleven, and they share a room. And I go to tuck tuck them in, as they still go kind of tuck. And they're arguing, and they would not. They kept arguing. The one was blaming the other for getting toothpaste on her clean clothes, and she's you know they're yelling at each other. And I finally I got so angry, I yelled and walked out of there like tuck yourselves in, you know, forget you guys. And then it turned out the next day that it wasn't toothpaste, it was paint. <laughs> oh, so the other right. one got it on her own clothes, blaming the kid. Well, I'm hopeful. I've, I've been hearing so much negativity about the millennial generation for so long. Oh, but. I like the millennial. <laughs> I, I like I like the younger people's attitude. I, There's a lot of hardworking young come people. around a little bit you, now. You're 30. Yeah. What are you, Gen X? No, what are you? No, I'm a millennial. millennial. Oh, you're fine. Look at who. Look, oh, our company is filled. Our company is you know filled what's with millennials, and and they're great to yeah. work with. Especially yeah. if you're the CEO of the company, you can ask them to do all your work, and they actually smile. You go home and ask your kid to do something, just stare at you. Uh, hey, Trevor, wish you well. Congrats on the on the baby. Appreciate the call. And it, it, there is one 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 thing though that is uh, troublesome. If you look at millennials, you take the typical 30-year-old today, the gap between the haves and the haves-nots, much greater than 20 years ago or 40 years ago. That's not an opinion. No, 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 no. There, and there's not a lot of middle class in those, that 30-year-old range, those millennials. They're either doing very well or they're not doing that well. I mean, there's, you look at the stats, it's quite staggering, yeah. uh, the bifurcation of the divide is getting larger. Yeah, and that's not a healthy thing for society long term, that's for sure. Let's continue on with calls here. We're talking uh, to Doug in Massachusetts. Doug, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Uh, hey, Scott and Pat. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I, I agree with your objective assessment that you guys are the best financial show out there. <laughs> <laughs> totally unbiased. <laughs> I, think, well, I like I, the fact I you use... Go ahead. Oh, I, I like the, the word that it you used objective, not subjective. Right. But I haven't listened to Planet Money yet. I'll have to give them a try. Excellent job. I, I do wish that more financial programs would, would use your call-in format. It's it's so lively and informative. It's a great format. And by the way, we don't prep at all for calls. Uh, so it's not like we do any research. It's just people throw questions at us. And we're practicing advisors. We've been doing this a long time. So it's it's... 90, 99% of the time, we have um, good answers off the cuff. Every once in a while, we're like stumped. But Absolutely. But that, that's what makes it so much fun to listen to. Okay, <laughs> well, thank we you. appreciate it. How, How can we, we do for you? Um, so uh, here's my question, guys. Um, it's basically how to construct a, a coherent uh, Roth conversion plan. I have been doing Roth conversions. So, uh, so far, it's been pretty much by the seat of my pants. Uh, I... My strategy is kind of to wait for an individual position uh, to drop um, five or ten percent, and then to move those shares. And I do have an overall goal of um, an, um, of an annual conversion amount each year to the top of my tax bracket. But, so you you have a dollar amount that you're doing this year, and exactly. every year you you analyze. That's right. That's tax but what I don't know is is what overall percentage allocation I should shoot for between my account types. I don't know the best strategy for doing that. I don't know the best timing to get there. 
Um, some, so that's kind of what I'm yeah, looking I mean, for. the challenge, some of it, I mean, a lot of it is based upon future tax code. And how old are you, Doug? I'm 63. Uh, I'm retired. Uh, my spouse is 65. Uh, she's working part time. She nets about 50 and we have about 20 K in pensions. So what you're talking about doing here is it, it's not so much your investment strategy. It's your tax strategy. You shouldn't, which worry. I think is what I think that you're wise to be thinking. Yeah, but things. you shouldn't worry about individual issues falling in value as to driving rot. Decisions. Well, I think he's trying to convert. But the, but 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 we wouldn't we wouldn't look at in an individual issue in a portfolio and say we're going to convert that because it fell in value. You're you're just moving it from side to side. And if anything, well, you're going to want your most aggressive dollars in the Roth because those will likely be the last dollars you spend. Which is another question. But the, I mean, the reason why I'm doing it that way is just to take advantage of a of a smaller valuation. Yeah, that's true. I don't think it's. Material. I haven't seen a study to show that that's going to yield any long-term results. I don't think that's material. So, uh, because you hold the same issue, and so I, I agree that if the whole portfolio fell by twenty percent, right, that's why you would want to wait till the end of the year to so do he's Roth just, conversions. You're just doing a one-offs. Um, yeah, one-offs. But I, I make sure that they add up by the end of the year yeah, understand. To, the, to my general goal. But I mean, another way to accomplish that is to, is to every quarter or every year, whatever, to look at your portfolio and say, what are, the, what are my worst performers and what are my best performers? Rebalance your Roth versus your traditional so that you have your worst performers in your Roth. I mean, that would take what you're doing to the extreme. I know, but what if your bonds are the worst portion of Well, forget the bonds. We're just talking about, let's just talk about stocks. But, I, but, I'm but, not, but we're not. We can't forget okay. the bonds. <laughs> we can't. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I. I think you're. You're doing. I'm not. I'm not convinced that what you're doing is going to yield us. So. So. Start with figuring out how much you want to fund the Roth with, right? And He's I have done, done that. That's really the. That's the kernel of my question, guys. Okay. Right now, I have uh, 1.6 million in tax deferred accounts and about 600k in Roth accounts, and I've set up a goal of. Um, equalizing them by converting a hundred a year for five years, which will end up with 1.1 in each account type. And the problem is I have no rationale for that goal other than <laughs> symmetry. And I'm not sure symmetry is really That's a right. legitimate financial goal. <laughs> yeah. So it's not the hundred thousand that drives it. It's the, it's the next step on the marginal tax rate and what you think your well, marginal tax rate. But that is why I've chosen 100K because our 50K plus our 20 is 70. Another 100K puts us to 170 at the top of our current tax. Yeah, well, then you. I think that's the right. That's the right. I think you're. I think what you're doing is the right strategy. You're gonna. You've got another. Well, your wife's got seven years before required minimum distributions. Right. Right. Yeah. But I should think... I aim for? Should I do more? Uh, you know, because I'm still going to end up then with one. If you can tell me that what the future accounts. that the future tax rate's going to be, and how long you're going to live, then it's a simple mathematical formula. So right now, right. it's all a st it's all a guess based upon the information that we've got, based upon history of tax law, based on right. I mean, that's all we have to go on. I mean, one risk there is is that sometime down the road. The United States says let's let's go for a more European model of taxation where our income tax rates are actually lower and there's a value added tax on all the things that we consume, which would ruin this whole Roth conversion idea. Right. It would make what if it we for assumed, not. for the sake of assuming, what if we assume that tax rates at my income level, which is pretty pretty low, we're talking 100 to 200 are relatively the same. What if we just assume over the next 10 years they're going to stay relatively the same? Then it wouldn't matter. It's a wash. Well, then it's all based upon your required minimum distributions and what that would do is for pushing up your, your income. I, I think you're – I actually like what you're doing, Doug, and I think revisit this on an annual basis. Right now what you're doing is you're looking at the tax uh, brackets and you're saying I'm going to convert up until that next bracket, and I think each year evaluate that. We don't need to worry about – 2024 or 25 or even 23 or even 22 we're in 2021 let's just worry about this year and then as time goes on and 
Whether or not we have a change in tax rates next year, that will certainly have an impact. Um, but that, That's a great idea. Instead of trying to come up with an overall master plan, that's right. just continue to kind of play it year by year. That, and, and that gives absolutely. me the ability to consider all of the factors that, are, that might be involved at any given time. 100%, Doug. So we share with our advisors, the minute the financial plan is done, it's out of date. It is an ongoing process. So what you're planning next year will most certainly change. You want to move the most aggressive portion part of your portfolio into the Roth IRA. The most aggressive piece, because it's most likely the last dollar you're going to spend, particularly if you're a good saver. (laughs) That's the reality. It's just going to be there. So, hey, glad you called, Doug. We're taking a quick break. Uh, If you'd like to be part of the program, have a call like Doug did. 833-99-WORTH will get you on the show. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, mm-hmm. Pat McLean. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. If you'd like to join the show, 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. Although I think podcast listeners, they might not, I don't think we have any commercials. We don't have any sponsors for the program. We'd like some. Not really. We've talked back and forth over the years. We don't want it. Seems like too much work. Like what happens a lot in our industry, there's a lot of back room deals that happen. Money for this product. Think about the supermarket. You understand how supermarkets work. You know, the end cap, you go and there's certain items are selling at the end. Well, the, the manufacturers pay extra to have their money, have their products sitting there to hope it gets On sold. The end caps, yes. Yeah. Or at eye or, level. Or, yeah, all those things. Well, the same kind of garbage happens in our industry with these most brokerage firms. They'll pay, these funds companies will pay certain dollars, investment products will pay certain dollars or sponsor this or sponsor that. Slotting fees. And it, 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 it creates conflicts of interest. So as an investment advisory firm, we say we don't participate in that game. I suppose if the right kind of sponsor came along that didn't create a conflict, we might have an interest in talking. But it's not going to be... Uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be game-changing, but... I, maybe you and I differ on this. If someone came in right now and said, we're a mortgage company and we've used that mortgage company, by the way, if you're a mortgage company, consider this. And we've used <laughs> that mortgage company and they would say, we want to write you a check for a hundred thousand dollars a year to advertise 30 seconds on your radio show or your podcast every week. I'd take the hundred grand. You don't want any part of the hundred no. grand. Oh. You don't have to have part of the hundred grand. <laughs> I'm not going to fight over something that's not even there, first of all. Okay. But, um, uh, Theoretically, let's argue over it. Okay. Assuming that someone wants to give us 100 grand well, now, to now, be on our podcast. Well, now, and that, by the way, would be a minimum. We <laughs> Normally, it would be 250000 <laughs> if you're listening. Anyway. Um, all right. So let's talk about shadow inflation. And. And I had never heard this term before I read this article in the New York Times. Um, and so shadow inflation is, is not necessarily the movement of price up. It's the degradation of the product that you're receiving for the same price. So you go to – it happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was at an airport traveling, and normally they would – Sit you down, and then a waiter or waitress would come. And where we were eating, we were in Lago- in that New Jersey. Was it Lago- where were we in that airport where we actually I don't know what airport you're talking about? You and I were together. Okay, well, we I've done a lot of trips with you over the years. <laughs> okay, it was a few months ago where you then take your phone and you scan the thing, and then they or there's a tablet, and you order yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the waiter never comes to the table yeah, until yeah, the yeah. food's done, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, Where normally someone would come, would you like a drink? This? There's a taco place in, in town here that's the same thing. And I invariably, I get it wrong. And then I get one person's meal comes immediately, and then the next person we're waiting, and we didn't order it right, didn't hit the buttons right. Very frustrating. So either on your own phone and I don't app, know how I survive. Well, that, 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 Scott, is shadow inflation, which is a degradation of the services that you used to once receive for the same price. It's, they call it shadow inflation, which is the price isn't moving. The serving size might be going down. 
the service that comes with it might be going down. So when they measure inflation, when they measure inflation, they don't take into account the soft services that often come with the price. And so we're starting to see this, and it's showing up in the statistics, right? So buying appliances, other retail goods, people are waiting longer. JP, JD Power said the highest rated retailers. By the way, if you're buying a new appliance, we bought a new washing machine a year and a half ago. I hate the thing. Okay. The thing. <laughs> All right. I, give me the Scott, old one with just Scott, a belt and some Scott, hot water. An appliance was an example. I'm just so thinking about it. I just, told my wife I'm not done doing laundry because invariably the thing okay. breaks halfway through. We're not through. talking about your appliance purchase right now. We're talking about shadow okay. inflation. 57% of customers were able to get customer service in five minutes. And that was in 2018. Now... 68% it takes more than five, than five minutes, right? So what we're seeing is a degradation of services rather than- Well, and you'll than, see that companies don't want to raise, you're going to wait as long as possible. And you'll start seeing it in packaged goods too, where you know, you'll, get, you'll get rather than a 16 ounce, you'll get 15 or 14 ounce and they'll keep the price the same. And this is the hedge against inflation. Yeah. So expect to see that. Yep. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, we are in Virginia. Sorry to hear about your washing machine, by the way. I don't get it. And we called. It took forever. Someone came out, and then, oh, it works fine now. And then they say it's something in the drain. I'm like, nothing's changed. I've lived in the house 17 years. Nothing's changed on the drain. Sorry. Okay. It beeping at me. <laughs> Okay. Low flow. I don't know what low flow means. What is low flow? Okay. And then you got to start over and it's okay. drain. You got to spin it out. The, the nice thing, you, you do your own wash. Sometimes. That's a whole nother problem in the family. <laughs> okay. Because I think, <laughs> I won't get into it, but sometimes I'm like, because I, I, if I take my wife's stuff too, then I sometimes don't do it right. Oh, that's right. Don't, don't. <laughs> and, that's the third rail. And she actually like kind of feels good about making sure that the, the house's okay. laundry is taken care of for whatever reason. So okay, I take anyway. I'm not going there. It's too I love late. It's too late. <laughs> if it were up to me, I'd get one of those fluff and fold services to pick up my laundry once a week and we could turn it a week later all folded. That's okay. that's what I would do if it was up to me. But it's not like many things in my life. I'm not the sole person making the choices. Okay, okay. Well, let's, let's, um, let's talk to it, the, My life's hard. Let's talk to It sounds awful. It's terrible. We're in Virginia talking to Orrin. Orrin, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hello, uh, Scott and Pat. How are you all today? Good. What great. What can we do for you, Orrin? Good, good, good. I have a question for you. Um, I'm a 53-year-old federal government employee and looking to retire in about, let's say, three and a half years. Um, I was wondering if you think uh, that I have accumulated enough in my retirement uh, savings to do so. All right. Thank you. Um, what's your annual? What's your salary now? My salary right now is about a hundred and thirty-eight thousand a year. Are you married? I am single. And Are you supporting anyone? Uh, right now, I am not. No children or anything like that either. And what's your mortgage balance? I currently rent. Um, I do not own okay. a home. And when you when you go to retire, how much? What's your annual pension going to be? From what I've determined is that my I'm probably going to be making or bringing home about roughly three thousand a month, and that's probably before taxes, I think. Okay. And how much do you have in your thrift savings plan? As of right now, I am at $1.2 million. And do you have any money saved outside of your thrift savings plans in a brokerage account or savings account or Roth IRA or IRAs? Yes, I do. Um, I started a Roth maybe like seven or eight years ago. I have about $52,000 in my Roth IRA and currently about $20,000 in cash. And, and be, how much do you save in your 401k each year? I max, I've been maxing out for a very long time. About uh, right now, I think 26000 a year. And is your, is plan, is your plan to, uh, in three and a half years, to quit and never work again? No, I don't think I can do that. Um, 
I, I think I'm just kind of maybe ready to leave just government service behind right now and move on to something else, possibly. Could, could you get another job? I would imagine. And, and, no, could you get another good. job? In, 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 anyone can get a job, by the way. So, so I, I restate that. It, 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 let me finish the statement. Can you get another job with, with similar income? I, I, I honestly don't think so. He doesn't really need the similar income. Oh, so, but right now his income would be $84,000 a year. If you took a 4% distribution off his thrift savings plan, will you be eligible for Social Security at age 62? I will be, okay. yes. So, um, and, I mean, right now he's got 138000 gross. He's got 26000 going into his uh, 401k. Plus, he's got FICA taxes right. on that salary that he won't have when he retires. So, he's, he's good. Like, yeah, I right. mean, You're good. I, I, I'd like to see you buy a house. Or okay. a condo or something along those lines. It's the best hedge for inflation right. for retirement. It's the best hedge. Now, and I don't know, okay. where are you calling from? Virginia. And I don't know what a, what, what do you pay in rent big, there? Many different areas. Right of Virginia. now, yeah. I'm right outside of Washington, D.C. Okay. Um, um, I'm paying roughly 2300 a month mm-hmm. right now for a two-bedroom apartment. And how much would a condo of that size cost you? Six, seven hundred thousand? Around here, I would say probably. Uh, yeah. But my, my, my thought is, is that um, I plan to not stay in Virginia uh, when Got I retire. It. My hope is to possibly move back uh, home. My home is North Carolina, actually. And so as long as Maybe, you're not... You know, yeah. So I don't see ahead, any reason. Sometimes we talk to someone like, you really got to stay with this job a few more years. I see no reason whatsoever, particularly if you're like itching to do something okay. different. You, you're in a great I financial really si- you're in a great financial situation. Um, okay. And particularly if you plan on doing some other kind of work for a period of time, that would be even. I do. Then, yeah. yeah. And I, if, if I was sitting in a room with you as a financial advisor, I would say, yes, when, wherever you move, Move to a place that you could actually purchase a home that you'd be comfortable or condo or uh, something that you'd be comfortable living in the rest of your life, and then okay. try to pay that off over a 10-year period. Okay. Right? Okay. Even if it means taking a distribution from your IRA over time, but that would also be dependent sure. upon the income. Yeah. So what you want to okay. do— would have yourself in a flexible situation. And- yeah. But, yes. Yes. So you're good to go. You're good to go. The only thing that— that I said is that the home is the best hedge for inflation in retirement. Okay. No question okay. about it. But you've done a great job saving. Got a, and you've got a pension Thank that has you. a cost of living, guaranteed cost of living adjustment. So you're in great job Correct. saving. Yep. You're yep. 53 years Thank of you. age. Thank you've you. done a great yep. job yes, saving. Yep. Great job. I really appreciate that. Right. Thank you very appreciate much. It. I really, really do. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you. Good luck to you, Orrin. You, well, you did the hard part. Yeah. You, you, did, this, you yeah. did the saving, right? Giving the compliments is easy. All right, let's uh, continue on here. We're talking with Ron. Ron, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Yeah, hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Good, good. Hey, I'm 62 years old. I'm single. I'm getting ready to retire. I'm 62 years old and put my 40 years in at my job, and I think I'm about ready to call it a day. All right. I have, I have, uh, I have a home that probably uh, – I live in California, so – my home's upwards of 950,000 value and I have about a $115 note on it. 115,000? Yeah, I owe about okay. 115,000 on it. I have a I have a, a 401k with some money in it, about 250k. And my question I actually have two questions. One question is would it be beneficial for me to take that money and pay off my note on that house? When I retire at 62, well, I am 62, but when I retire. Okay. And the- uh, my second question is, Okay. My, and my second question is, I, I have a, 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 a life annuity pension that's going to give me about $2,900 a month. My retirement total when I retire, I'll probably have 60000 a year. So I have a choice of cashing out my 2900 a month life annuity for 550000 so I'm not sure which way to go. Take the cash out, reinvest, or keep the lifetime annuity of twenty nine hundred a month. It, you you mentioned There's, some. I'm sorry. So you mentioned something, Ron. There, you said something about sixty thousand. You lost me there. I'm sorry. So when I retire with my 
uh, reduced Social Security and my $2,900 a month okay. pension, my income will be about approximately 60000 a year. Okay, got that, got that. And yeah. does your pension lump sum have anything to do with your medical? No. Okay. So it wouldn't affect nope. any other and, of your retirement benefits. And you're nope. single, is that right? You're single. I yeah. am. I'm single. I have that house. I also have a second home that's a paid-off cabin, probably worth about 450000 And are you renting that out, or is it just for your own use? No, nope, it's just for my own use so okay. far. All right. And how's your health? You have a normal life pretty expectancy. Good. I'm in pretty good shape. I okay. would say... You know, I've got my aches and pains, but uh, I'm in pretty good shape. I have no major issues at all with my health. Okay. So let's let's address the mortgage issue first. Do you have any beneficiaries that you want this money, whatever's left at the end of your life, to go to? You know what? I, I do have I have a son, and there's I also have a pretty large uh, life insurance policy that will set him up. So if I spent that money, it would not hurt my feelings. Is this life insurance policy a term policy that you're paying on, or is it a whole life or cash value policy that you've put money into? I'm not sure what they call it. I started it when I was about 30 years old, and basically it it accumulates money, and okay. it's now paying for itself. Okay. I have to. I don't. I don't have to pay on it anymore at this point. And what's the face value on that contract? What's the life insurance? Right now, if I was to cash it out, the cash out value, I want to say it's about 70000 And if you were to die, what would it pay to your heirs? 250000 Okay. It may, it may run its course over your lifetime. It may not. You, you actually want to have a financial advisor do what's called a midstream analysis on that. My guess is it's okay. probably not funded well enough to run your whole life. And so a good financial advisor would actually get – um, what's called midstream it, analysis from the could, insurance. It might company. make sense to reduce the, the death benefit to 150,000. Um, so <clears> that's you're a, paying the cost. It's pay, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's, that's another, that's, that's another issue all, 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 all together that you didn't Here's even the ask challenge about. with the mortgage. Like if you said, I'm going to take $115,000 out of my 401k to pay off my mortgage. Conceptually, I like the idea. The problem is the tax man is a silent partner on your 401k. And you right. get to choose how much you pay that partner based upon when you take your distributions. So if you choose to take nothing out of your 401k, your silent partner gets nothing. If you cash it in, you push yourself into higher tax brackets. And our tax brackets are very uh, progressive. So we have quite a bit of income that's taxed at 12 so, Well, some that's not taxed at all. Then we're at 12% tax bracket. Then it goes to 22% bracket, all the way to 37%. So you have a choice between... The way you can withdraw is either you pay the federal government 12% or you can pay them up to 37%. The problem with taking a big lump sum is it pushes you into the higher tax bracket. So how, how much money do you have in the bank? Um, just cash in yeah. the bank. I, I probably have eighteen, twenty $20,000. And do you have any money anywhere else in a brokerage no, account? Probably, no, that's pretty much it, what I, I got. You there. know, Scott, I, I got to tell you. I think I'd actually, I would look at doing it over a couple of years. I think I would actually consider actually redeeming that life insurance policy, taking the 70 oh. grand in cash value, put it down across yeah, that like thing, that. and then accelerating the distribution out of the IRA over the next, over, couple of years. Over the next three or four years to actually get rid like of the mortgage idea. altogether. That's what I would so, consider doing. The, the so reality is you've got, look, especially if you're going to take the lump sum. And did you do the math on the lump sum? It's about a five. You need to earn about five and a, a little five and a third percent. The challenge with the lump sum, like if if your four hundred one k, if you said you had a million bucks in your four hundred one k, it would say to me, okay, uh, Ron's lived through some market cycles. He knows what it's like to see his account balances drop a lot. The, yeah. my, my concern is you you take six hundred and fifty grand or whatever you said it was five fifty five fifty. Oh, it's even. I think I used six fifty on that. So it's even. Uh, I, I, yeah, you, you if you were married, like because you're single, I, take the single life. Don't I would take, take the, the lump single, sum. I would take, and the, the reason life. is the hurdle rate is too high, which means the rate of return that you need to actually earn in the marketplace is. And there's two. It's not only the rate of return. Then it's which how we we react to the market cycles. 
So you want yeah. to take the pension lump sum. You want to st- do the Social Security at some time. I don't know when that time is. I don't know if it would automatically go to age 62, like you said. I, I, I may defer that. I'd actually I'd have to go through the math. So the answer to your question is don't pay off the mortgage by taking the money out of the 401k right away. But I would do the analysis on the life insurance. You got 70 grand there. If you actually surrender that life insurance, you have no need for life insurance. Your kid's going to be fine with it's, the inheritance. It's expensive. When you actually look at what you're paying each year, you've got interest on that 70,000, but it's being eaten up and probably more so. And to Pat's point, Pat's concerned that 15 years down the road, there's no cash left in the contract. And they're going to come knocking and saying, Hey, if you want to keep this policy in force, you got to, Put yeah. some more money in. You're buying $180,000 a year in life insurance, whether you know it or not, which is the difference between the cash value and the face value of the contract. So I would consider taking a redeeming the life insurance policy, taking the 70 grand. You might have a little tax implications, but probably not much, putting it against the mortgage immediately. So then at that point in time, you'd owe $45,000 on the mortgage. We could actually take money out of the 401k over the next two or three years, pay down the mortgage to zero. Um, and then you'd live very, very comfortably on your monthly pension and social security, and you could keep the 250 grand in your 401k for a rainy day. That's what I would consider doing. And you may want to engage a financial advisor to actually do the analysis on the life insurance policy. Right. No, that sounds like a great idea. I had not thought of that. Yeah, that's what you know. I didn't a, think of it either until, <laughs> until we start going through it. it. Yeah, well, it's kind of unusual when you someone who's sixty-two years old that's got seventy a single person with seventy thousand dollars in a universal life insurance policy, which is, sounds like what this is. So, hey, good luck to you. Appreciate the call. Let's talk with Chris. Chris, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, how you guys doing? Awesome. Good, good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have an insurance question also. Um, back in 86, 1986, yes, my dad, who was an insurance agent, um, bought two paid-up life insurances for my wife and I. Okay. Um, and uh, so, and he said, hey, when you, when the kids get ready to go to school, you borrow against them, blah, blah, blah. Um, as long as you don't go over borrowing over 80% of your uh, value, um, you don't ever have to pay it back, right? Yeah. He goes, it will continue and go. And um, so I had the the insurance company run the numbers, and it's true. Um, the only thing is it just bugs the hell out of me that this thing keeps going up and up and up. But also what keeps cash, going up? Oh, the uh, um, outstanding the, the balance. Value, yeah. The loan yeah. accounts, but the account balance goes up also right so so um let's say right now we have like eighty nine thousand in loans right but the cash value now is like ninety three thousand i don't know whether to just go ahead and pay off the loan because we have the cash and then i will get guaranteed four percent interest from this account that might be the most sense because you've got a contract back in the, so in 1988 they changed the rules but before right, that time right. it used to be you can put in like a hundred thousand yeah. dollars into a life insurance mm-hmm. policy that had a hundred and ten thousand dollar death benefit on it right and you get there's some good tax benefits one is that yeah. the way the withdrawals at that time were uh you FIFO. can yes you can take the you can take essentially take your the your investment out at some point in the future without paying a tax and let all that tax to growth. And it's growth. before they actually made them what called in 88, they, if you put too much money in, they were called modified endowment contracts and it changed right. the way. So do you have $89,000 in cash laying around that you could pay the uh, loan yeah, off with? Yeah, I, uh, I have about 125 in look, cash. Chris, look at you. I know, I know. No, 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 no. Look at you no. making good decisions. That, that I, I got to tell you, <laughs> that's impressive that you actually, that crossed your radar. Because you um, looked at this and it's guaranteed four percent, yeah, it acts and, just and like I a savings you, account. I, I give you some other backgrounds on us. Um, we're both retired now. I retired at sixty-two. I did take my social security, and it's like eighteen hundred a month uh, because I had had heart yep. surgery Perfect. a few years earlier. But I'm in great health, not a okay. problem. But uh, and now my wife is retired. We both have public service pensions and. Uh, our insurance is paid for. Perfect. And, you know, so I, 
I kind of think this is the thing to do. Oh, yeah, you can always take a loan. You could take the money back out. It's a savings account. I could take a loan again on it if I wanted to. Or, or, you know, it does have an endowment at 95. Yeah, Um, but don't worry about that. Yeah, I don't think so. Don't worry when you're 93. um, Yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. Exactly. Well, actually, 94 and (laughs) up to 94 and six months, I I, think it is. I like your thinking. When I said look at you, I wasn't look at you in a bad way. It was like, look at you. This is because you look at the cost of money and you're like 4% and I'm earning less than a quarter of a percent in the bank. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the other kicker. We do have two other um, um, whole life policies, basically, right? Okay. That have about 55,000 in cash value in them. And we don't really need, we don't have really any need for insurance. Um, Are they so on you? I thought about cash. What's that? Are they yeah. on you? Uh, one on me and one on my wife. You may not want to. If they're these old policies you may that are paid it's up whole life. It's not that old because cause like a doo-wop, I, um, <laughs> I, I made the decision oh, 10 years ago to uh, uh, up the values of them a little bit. So, you know, they're, they're so, okay. I, look, I would recommend that you sit down with a qualified, uh, some financial advisor Look at these in context. They don't live in a vacuum, right? You just, just you showed us that right now. And you're like, I've got cash in the bank. Why don't I? So they don't live in a vacuum. Have them do some analysis and figure out based upon a normal, what you would consider maybe your normal life expectancy and cash flow needs, et cetera, is it best to keep these things or cash them in? It and might my, be. My guess is that you'll probably end up use, keeping them in place. And reducing the life insurance and, amount. So that you don't have to put any more cash into them um, if you're making premium payments. But most certainly, on because you've had heart issues, I wouldn't probably wouldn't touch that ever. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate the, the call. call. And I uh, wish you well on... Uh, it's old life insurance, but it's a long time to own a contract <laughs> from back <laughs> in the 80s, right? Hey, uh, we're just about out of time. We've got a workshop online on Social Security. The workshop's titled Inner Workings of Social Security. And it runs Saturday, October 23rd through Thursday, October 28th. So again, October 23rd through October 28th. It is the inner workings of Social Security. And you can register on our website at allworthfinancial.com. And if you register, you get a, uh, a free ebook of um, our, our, my book, Personal Decision Points, Seven Steps to Your Ideal Retirement Transition. So, There you go. Hey, we're out of time. It's been great being with you. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.